Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. In this week's episode, I talk with Justine Shermans, the founder of The Family Dog. We talk about fun ways for families to engage with their dog, and we talk a lot about how understanding dog body language will keep everybody safe, healthy, and happy. Enjoy. Hi, Justine. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, I you were at the top of my list. When I was thinking about starting a podcast for how to help families with kids and dogs, you popped up right away because you have an incredible program called The Family Dog that I'm one of the teachers for, where we help families who have kids and dogs, right? And we do it by playing games and doing fun training activities. Um, and you you made this video that I share widely, but we need to share more called Stop the 77. Um, and we're going to talk about that today too. But before we dive in, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, I'm Justine, as you said, and I am the owner and founder of a company called The Family Dog. And Basically, my business is really started off when I had my own children and realized that what I was teaching as a dog trainer in the dog training school I was working at at the time was not really helping families with young children. Um, in our particular dog training school, you had to be 14 before you could handle a dog, yeah. which was great, except for there were loads of people living with dogs, had kids that were under 14, and nobody was showing, A, the kids how to act around the dog and not teaching the parents. And so I realized not only they needed help, but the kind of stuff I was doing with my own kids in my house was so different from what I was teaching in the dog training school. What's important mm -hmm. to somebody who lives by themselves that just adopted a four-year-old beagle is very different to uh, parents that are living with, you know, a four and a six-year-old who just adopted a golden doodle puppy. It's just <laughs> not the same stuff, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, I need to help these people. And that's really how it started. And then it grew and grew and then turned into this bigger thing where dog trainers really became interested in what I was teaching. And I realized there was a need there that a lot of dog trainers would actually like to work with families, but either don't have kids themselves or don't really understand how to work with kids and need yeah. that knowledge and no learn how to make it fun, interesting, safe, what to prioritize in the training. So then the family now took the family dog then took on this new kind of direction of working with professionals as well. So it's mm -hmm. really kind of split into two at the moment. Um, right. But fun but for me I I'm, it's lovely I get to work with professionals and with families directly so I love that so much I mean there's a few things that you have done as part of your program that really stand out to me so first of all you have a background in live television production and you have created this series of videos for families that are participating in this training program that have these super fun projects for kids to do where they get to be super agents and solve things and look at dog body language and all kinds of stuff. And you have video content for the parents so that you can empower them 
how to help play XYZ games with their, their kids and dogs and how to train certain tasks. So can you tell me a little bit about some of your background in video and what these videos are like? Yeah. Well, I mean, as you said, I used to work in television for, I had quite an established career in TV. I worked for Nickelodeon in the UK. Then I came over and set up a channel for them in the US. Then I worked for VH1 for a little while. Then I worked for MTV for a while. And then I went back to Nickelodeon. And it was obvious that it was really funny. I don't think I ever really wanted kids when I was young. And every single job I got happened to be around children. (laughs) I had a summer camp job. I had like, I just couldn't seem to get away from kids. I got a job at Nickelodeon. And at the end of the day working with kids while I resisted it <laughs> it's hilarious to think that I was doing that kids bring so much vitality to life so yeah. I thought I wanted to work at MTV where all the stars were but actually I really I and I loved MTV don't get me wrong it was really fun but at Nickelodeon every single kid that I met it made their day to be on TV oh. whereas for MT, the people at MTV it was a job you know they had to show up to promote themselves or whatever mm-hmm. so um yeah I definitely brought the production background into what I do the fun element I, I have a rule if it's not fun people are not going to do it mm-hmm. and so that was that is literally my you know ground zero for anything that I create so if you can play a game with a kid and a dog together and they can both be learning that's gold to me mm-hmm. that's going to go in my program somehow yeah try to set up behaviors that or in activities as well that kids and dogs both enjoy not only are you forming this really amazing bond between the two of them but they're learning how to interact around each other in a way that's safe um, and that they're both happy because I think it's quite typical um, for younger kids actually just human beings and even dogs themselves to do things they want to do and not really care about what the other person's thinking (laughs) right Mm-hmm. But you would never be friends with somebody who was like, oh, let's go to the mall. And you're like, I really hate going to the mall. And they're like, no, come on, Saturday, let's go to the mall. You'd be like, <laughs> I don't, I, I, okay, I don't really like going to the mall. At some point, that friendship would come to an end. Yeah. So I don't want to set the kids and the dogs up for having that friend that always wants to go to the mall when really all they want to do is stay home and do a puzzle Mm -hmm. or they're the person that wants to go to the mall and this friend never wants to come with them. It's got to be something that's mutually enjoyable. Right. I love that. I, I think one of the things that, um, I value so much about your program and it's something that I do with my own clients as well is I try to make the work that we do together applicable to actual real life. So what I would see happen in some of the group classes that I used to teach at an animal shelter, um, you know, we could explain the behaviors and why we were doing certain behaviors, but then I would see those same people leave class and go into the parking lot to load their their dogs up into the car. And it was as if none of it penetrated, right? They, the dogs were pulling, the people were shouting, like it, it, there should be, there should be a show on parking lot antics. Literally you could create a show on everything that you just taught for the last 60 minutes, just open the window, let it all fly out and do the exact opposite in the parking lot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so that really resonated with me actually, because I thought, okay, there has to be a better way to help these people understand that these behaviors that we're talking about, like, let's say weight, for example, you know, weight is a potentially life-saving skill you can teach your dog. So the dog doesn't jump out of the car without permission, run into traffic or run out your front door and get hit by a car or, you know, chase a neighbor down the street. Right. So weight has a very important 
like relatable real life application. It's not just some random thing we do with a, a weird gate inside the pavilion where you're teaching your classes. And um, so one of the things about your program that makes me so happy is that you echo that exact same thing. So for example, one of the tasks that you do in yours that I love and I do with families now too, is we practice asking dogs to do certain behaviors like sit when we have our hands full of bags of groceries, as an example, right? Because honestly, and I tell this to people all the time because I help people get ready for babies and whatever, but the idea you always, as a parent, have something in your arms, whether you're holding mm -hmm. your child, whether you're holding a basket of laundry, dirty diapers, trash, whatever, groceries, you're very rarely empty handed. And yet your dog still has to listen. So that means, will your dog listen if your hand's not in your treat pouch? Will your dog listen if you're not cueing like some gesticulating creature, right? Yeah. So can our dog learn to do those things? And then can we take it up a notch? Can they do it when our hands are full? Can they do it when I'm looking the other way? All those things. And so your program is totally spot on because it's real. You understand you're a mom. I'm a mom that parenting is hard and we might not always be able to ask in, you know, we're not going to say sit, 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 sit. We know that's not the right strategy. Right. So right. we're going to expand on that and try to do it in ways that happen. Yeah, and one of the things about that, the program that you're talking about is called the private training program. And it's a, it's a program that I I sell to other trainers so that they can go into a family's home hmm. for six weeks and spend six hours with them over the course of that six weeks and then assign them kind of simple homework tasks. Mm -hmm. And in the creation of that program, it became, well, I should say from my experience of doing that for so long, working with families in their homes, I was very ambitious. I am a kind of a, a, a closet A type personality. Maybe I'm not so <laughs> closet, but I, I definitely wanted to like get everything in. I wanted to teach families everything I knew. And that ended up really backfiring on me in the early, in the early stages, because I knew that when I looked at the homework I'd given families to do, there's no possible way AI could do it or I would want to do it. It was mm -hmm. too much. And so I was seeing that with my own clients. They weren't as successful as I wanted them to be. And so with this program, um, the one that you're teaching, we only concentrate on one skill a week. And I think that is really important if you're a family. It can feel incredibly overwhelming. Oh my gosh, I've got to teach my dog all this stuff. There's so much to learn. Actually, if you strip it down, you only really need to teach your dog six skills. If you teach one a week and you get them really great. And as you said, teach them it front, left, back, you know, upside down, you know, eyes closed in another room with your hands full, doing a headstand, sitting in a chair, <laughs> yeah. your dog's going to be amazing at it. It's when you try to teach too many things at the same time that mm. is confusing for your dog. If everybody in the family is doing the same thing too. So like you might have that, that week where you just teach sit and you teach sit everywhere, sit for putting on a leash, sit for um, your dinner, sit for going out the door, sit to be petted. Like it then becomes really clear to your dog, oh, it's the bomb on the ground thing. As soon as I do that, I get exactly what I want. When you break it down, I think for fa families really need it to be simple. And I get yeah. it. We've both been there. If it's complicated, they're not going to do it either. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're just too busy, right? Exactly. And I think I've, I've heard a lot of other dog trainers complain about compliance with their clients and they just don't do the homework. And I, and so I, I help them occasionally and just share what's worked for me because 
you know, families with kids and dogs are my specialty. And I tell them, I said, you know, your expectations are unreasonable for people that sometimes don't even eat breakfast. They're too busy. They can't get their boots laced before they go outside because too many things have happened. So to ask them to do 15 different pieces of homework is just not going to happen. Yep. You know, so that's why I'll sometimes say, okay, like I'm holding a mug of coffee. You can see me, but our listeners can't. I'm holding a mug of coffee that has already been in the microwave probably three times today because (laughs) my puppy got me busy and then I, we played ball and then I had to do something else. And then my coffee goes cold over and over and over again. And so I tell people, I said, well, you know, maybe it'll help you if you have a pattern in which I will always train my dog when I have my coffee in the microwave. In the microwave. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. maybe it's just that's the cue you need that actually I can get stuff done in the 45 seconds or whatever that it takes me to heat up my coffee again. That's when we do a new trick. Or and that's, that's been scientifically practice. proven. Did you know that? It's called something like habit stacking, where like if you stack a habit that you would like to add into your life on top of something that you regularly do, you are much more likely to have success. Um, One of my friends is a coach and she was talking to me about that. And I was like, Oh, I like that a lot. I mean, I know about, we do the same thing with microwave training is so great because your meal goes in three minutes to heat up. Okay. What can I do with my dog in three minutes? And then you can feel good. You've done some training. You've heated up your dinner and Exactly. I know. And that's a win. And you can get a lot done in a short amount of time as long as you're doing it, you know, every day or every couple of days. Right. I I don't want parents to put so much pressure on themselves that they feel guilty or feel like they're not being an adequate parent. But honestly, any time you practice is better than no time. Yeah. And I think families also have that misconception. I know I did at the beginning that you should be training for like half an hour with your dog a day. And like, no, that first of all, it's not realistic. I don't think it's a really great setup for your dog because they learn when they're in training mode Mm -hmm. and then they don't the rest of the day. I think the struggle is, and this is where you have to kind of find that super force inside of you is you're rushing out of the door and you know, you really would like your dog to sit before you put the leash on. And you're like, I don't really have time to do this. I'm just going to snap it on when they're jumping all over me. Mm. It's like, I, I implore my family clients to just take that one extra second because you're going to get a lifetime of well-behaved dog out of that. Yeah. And it takes an extra second. Don't blow off the 30 minutes. Don't worry about the 30 minute training. Take that extra second just to do that in the moment. That's going to be so much more valuable to you. Well, dogs repeat what they practice. And so if we can get them to practice sitting before Mm -hmm. going out the door or whatever it is that we care about, then they will keep repeating that one thing. All right. So we've talked about safe interactions with kids and dogs. Can you talk to me? Let's have a conversation briefly about what a safe interaction looks like. Because I have to say, I'm on a bit of a mission and I'm hoping that you'll help me with this mission and other people will help me as well. But every time I go on Instagram or on Facebook, I am inundated with inappropriate interactions between kids and dogs. I And people like them and share them and leave comments of how, oh, how adorable this is. And it really drives me crazy because I see visible signs that dogs are uncomfortable during these interactions. So for example, I will see 
um, parents propping their babies on the dog as if the dog is a piece of furniture. Or I will see um, a toddler on the floor nose to nose with the family dog, right? And you and I both know that staring can be a threatening gesture and dogs can react poorly to that. Um, just as we know that dogs are sentient creatures with feelings and they're not pieces of furniture and you should not be propping your baby on your dog for a million different reasons. Number one, if the dog gets up, your baby falls down and cracks its head on the floor. Mm -hmm. Number two, if you're busy taking a photograph, you are nowhere near close enough to intervene should your dog simply turn its head and decide to, you know, eat your child or whatever. Now, dogs have every right to have these feelings, right? Little babies grip fur and grab tails without knowing what they're doing. They're babies, right? So I see a lot of really inappropriate things. And so what I want, and, and I know you do this too, and we'll talk about your special video in a minute, but what I would love to see is more examples of great safe interactions where we are recognizing signs of stress and we're promoting these kinds of things as opposed to what we're currently seeing on social media. Oh, it's so, uh, it's heart wrenching. And it's, and I sometimes have to turn it off because I think as a professional, when we've seen both sides of this story, um, it's really sad to see some a situation be created that did not ever need to be created. Yeah. Putting a kid in a position that they didn't need to be in and a dog in a position that they didn't need to be in and right. as you know you know it can end up terribly for the kid and it can be end up life-threatening for the dog exactly. literally exactly. so it, it it it's a it's lit I would say it's probably the most important part of my job um it has become my mission to change change the world literally and how they see the interactions between between kids and dogs and I think for me where the problem lies is that People tend to look when they see a video or a picture of a kid and a dog doing something that we might deem as dangerous, they are looking at the face of the child and they're seeing how happy the kid is and they're seeing the cuteness of the dog and what they're missing because we're not taught it. Even if you go to dog training classes, you're often never taught it is how to read body language. Mm -hmm. And the second you need, you understand dog body language, you will see that the dog is not happy in that situation. And even if they're not, not happy, they are tolerating putting up with something that they shouldn't be asked to put up with. That's too low of a bar. Tolerance it's, is too low of a it's bar. It's also one step away from an accident. Because yeah. when you're tolerating, you're being pushed to accept something that you don't want to accept. And who knows when that extra straw will break the camel's back. Like, that's the way I see it. It's like, we don't know where that trigger point is. Right. And the dog could have had a really rough day. And that could be the day where it happens really fast. Um, we trainers use this term of trigger stacking. So if you have, you know, the mailman came and your dog was barking because they don't like somebody coming close to the door. And then um, the toddler was like in their food, hands in the food bowl when they really shouldn't have been, you know, a ton of different things like this happen. Then you only need one little thing to tip them over the edge. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a, that's a concern. So body language is insanely important. I have a, a dog body language video. If you um, YouTube, if you do a search on YouTube called what your dog is desperately trying to tell you, okay. and it's got really simple signs that help you identify the difference between a happy dog and a dog who's not so happy or maybe anxious and stressed 
And the goal really is to keep making those happy situations for your dog and notice when they're stressed or when they're anxious and either, and try and relieve that situation, whether that means asking your dog to move away or asking your child to move away or, you know, remove the scary toy that's in the room or whatever it is that's causing the anxiety. Try to get in there and help your dog because they don't have an advocate if you're not going to step up. Mm -hmm. Um the other thing that's really important, I think, is choice. Dogs need choice. Um, they need to consent to being touched. Um, and it's something we take we take for granted because we would never accept some rando on the streets coming up and just touching our children. Be like, what? Get your hands off my kid. Like it wouldn't even we wouldn't even think about it. But when it comes to dogs, we can do whatever we like to dogs and they just have to shush and put up with it. It's, it's, it's incredible to me that we've got to this place. When I was younger, you know, if you got bitten by a dog and you told your parents, you were like, Hey, you know, the dog bit me or growled at me, they would say, what were you doing? And if you're like, mm -hmm. well, I or took the stick away. They'd be like, well, hello. Don't take <laughs> it away. So you deserved it. Exactly. We don't allow dogs the ability to say, hey, I'm really not comfortable with that. Can you please stop doing it? And these are the whispers. You know, this is the body language is the whispers. Hey, could you mind stopping? Please, I'm not okay with that. It's what we teach our children to do. Don't hit your brother when he's doing this. Say to him, can you please stop? I don't like that. Right. But we don't even acknowledge it in dogs. We don't even understand it when they say, please. And then they're like, no, really, please. Re really, 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 please. Can you please? Oh, my gosh. Somebody stop. Please help me. And then all of a sudden, you know, then they're shouting and you're yeah. in a position that you don't want to be in. So I think it would be amazing if every parent on the planet said, you know, what? I want to be able to know what my dog's saying. I mean, parents especially. I always say this, can you imagine if you couldn't read your kids' emotions? Mm, it'd be so you'd, hard. You'd be lost. How, how would you do, how would, how would you, yeah. I don't even know, right? So, mm -hmm. so now you have a, another baby in your house. You would, you would never think it was okay not to be able to understand what they were saying. Yeah. I, I think it's crazy because we, you know, a family when, when they're expecting or even adopting, they take classes on child rearing and they do all the things to get ready and make sure they have the registry of all the right items. But, but it's not yet as normal. I have air quotes, like as normal to do the exact same things when you're bringing a dog home, when you've got that same family dynamic and it should be just as normal as, you know, well visits to the pediatrician, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can go out and you can buy the crate and you can buy the toys and all of that stuff, but that's not going to be the make or break because if your kids and your dogs don't get along, if there's any kind of issue or drama between them, that is a make or break relationship. And you don't want to find yourself in that situation. So when you, you, when you learn about body language, nothing happens out of the blue. Mm -hmm. You, you, you and I growing. You and I have both heard it a million times. I was right there and the bite happened out of nowhere. Yep. And I think, oh, I'm yep. so sorry that nobody taught you yep. all of the whispers, like you said, that, yeah. that were likely happening. And sometimes they happen very quickly in that moment, mm -hmm. but perhaps over the days, weeks, and years prior, we missed a lot of things that we could have seen that finally yep. put them over the edge in that last moment. So maybe it did appear 
to you out of nowhere today. But if we looked and had those sort of, you know, your magnifying glass for your little detective self that you're watching over time. Right. That it wouldn't have appeared suddenly. And to be fair, you're right. I mean, even some dogs are not very clear with their body language. They can give very mixed signals. Their body can be saying one thing. Their face can be saying something else. Sometimes those um, I'm happy and then I'm not happy. Body language signals can ramp up over, you know, a split second. And we kind of geeky dog trainers love to go to conferences where we watch these videos (laughs) at like, you know, minus 25 speed and we're like yeah see that's the moment where it changed like we get all like geeky about it but it kept but sometimes it does take for you to slow down the video and watch it for you to be able to see it because in real time it's just not there well, yeah I mean honestly it's so easy for us to miss in real time if we have to only see it when it's mm-hmm. slowed down I don't think that people who are unfamiliar with this can stand a chance unless we practice on a regular basis. Exactly. Exactly. So the the most, sorry, just to finish, I think the most important thing is, is when you, as you said, it really comes down to patterns. If you're looking at your dog's body language over a period of time, you can see the kind of stuff that actually upsets them or makes them uncomfortable. And then that's the stuff that you can be like, Oh no, they don't really like it when, or this is difficult for them. And then you can step in and you can help out. Oh, right. No, that's a, that's a really good point. So some dogs are sound sensitive. So Mm -hmm. if the toddler's having a screaming fit or they're pushing a push toy that's beeping and blinking and doing, making all this crazy sound, then we know that that's going to cause stress to certain Mm -hmm. dogs, but not to others. Right. And for others, maybe it's a a balloon, a helium balloon or some other. She won't go in a room with a balloon. She just. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But unless you paid attention, you would never know that that was a thing. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So talk to me about your stop the 77 video, because this video makes me cry every time I watch it, which is kind of absurd. I'm people who listen to this podcast know that I'm a crier. Um, so it's it's doing its job. (laughs) Well, yeah, I know that's so talk to me about that. I'm going to link to it in the show notes on the pooch parenting website, but tell me what this video Describe it briefly and we will have people watch it so they can they can cry too. Well, I was gonna say if it makes you feel any better, I made it and I spent hours editing it, days editing it, and I was crying when I was doing it. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, I don't feel so bad anymore. And I'm not really a massive crier, but it was so basically the video is a series of stock. Video, uh, stock images that you can buy anywhere on I think I bought it on shut, not Shutterfly yeah shut, like Shutterfly images mm-hmm. um no it's not Shutterfly what's the what's the um, website called anyway stock images it doesn't yeah. really matter they're stock images because I did not want to make a video where you could see kids doing dysfunctional things to yes. dogs right Thank I'm not you. setting that up personally yeah. that would be wrong on every single level yes. but I did want to show these situations so the irony is is that these stock photos are marketing photos that you can buy for your business that are supposed to seem attractive to, you know, the average person. That's what we were talking about before. That's what we were talking about. It's the wrong message. And I love what you do with them. So I kind of turned that on its head. And so the goal was when I made this video, I literally Googled images of kids and dogs and they just kind of flooded my responses. And this it's basically a story of a girl who gets a new dog and that each picture is a different girl and a different dog but you but there's a, a thread of story that runs through of the girl's experience and then all of a sudden the video 
rewinds and the story is told through the eyes of the dog. And when you watch the story the first time, the pictures look lovely. They really do. I mean, the kids are smiling and laughing and the dogs look like they're having fun. And then when the video is rewound and you watch it through the dog's eyes and you actually look at the dog's eyes and you really don't need to be a body language expert. You just need to be paying attention. You can see how miserable all the dogs are and how the situation is getting further and further out of control for them and that they can't speak, they can't use their words, they're not being helped and they're being pushed into a place that they don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And um, and the goal was to make people stop, be shocked and not to judge them. Mm-hmm. I really right. I feel so- like the important part I mean, when you're on a lot of dog training groups, there are so many trainers that get really frustrated with families that they're not doing what they should be. Mm-hmm. And I get it, but we know. And when you don't know, you don't know. So I, for me, it was a mission to try to bring this knowledge in a very non-judgmental way to families to help them spot those signs, see where they could potentially be going wrong, avoid the pitfalls, help their kids, help their dog. And so, yeah, that that video is insane. I knew it was good. You know, when you make something and you know it's good, sometimes I make stuff and I'm like, that's rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this was, I knew it was good. And it, it ended up getting over 12 million views. It's yeah. like, it just, I think it resonated with people in a way that I didn't really know that it was. It's would, remarkable. So what does the 77 refer to in the title? Stop the 77. What What is that? So 77, good question. And I should have probably addressed that. So 77% of dog bites, amazingly, to children between the ages, I think, of five and 10, it is, or under 12, I should say under 12, are from the family dog or a friend's dog. They're dogs we know. They're not stray dogs. They're not random dogs. They're our dogs. And when I read that statistic, I realized that's not really just the dogs that are to blame. They're our dogs. We are doing something as a society, as communities that is pushing their buttons. And we need to stop doing that. We need to own our part in the relationship. We spend so much time telling dogs what they should do and complaining when they don't do exactly what we want them to do. Our expectations are off the charts. And what about if we look at ourselves and say, what does this dog need from us? What are they trying to say to us? And then maybe reacting to it, then we can, it's the only way to have a good relationship, isn't it? You can't have a good relationship when only one person's talking. Oh, this is so good. I can't wait for all the people who listen to this to watch that video. We're going to bump it to 13 yeah. million. What do you say? <laughs> um, not my views though. Some dude in Australia took it and freebooted it. <gasps> so they're all his views. Yeah. Oh. And I had the choice of whether I wanted to go after him or not. And you know what? At the end of the day, I actually just wanted people to, to know it. the message. I just didn't really care. Okay. Well, we're going to share the link to yours. So. <laughs> There'll be that. Um, but regardless, I think the message is so important. I, I want to, I want us as a team, you know, to collaborate with other dog trainers, other parenting experts to just support dogs so that they don't make mistakes that could cost them their lives or that could hurt kids. And also I want parents to just feel supported because it is really stressful to feel like things are out of control in your own house, to feel like, 
you're worried, you're on eggshells, you don't know what's going to happen from minute to minute in your own home. Um, I had a message from a client. She booked an emergency appointment because she's just really having a hard time and crying all the time. And, and it's a really hard way to live, you know, and I think, I think we can help, but we need to learn how her dog is feeling so that we can try to prevent some of these stressful situations. You're exactly right. We do need to learn about our dogs and we need to own the responsibility for our own behavior as well. I have Mm -hmm. the same thing with a client that I'm talking to, who's got a a six-year-old and, um, and a three month old puppy and the puppy and the six-year-old are great at some point. And now the puppy's snapping at at the kid and this is early days. So I need to figure out what's going on, but guaranteed it will be something that the child is doing being a kid. That's not no blame on the kid, but it's knowing as a parent, when to step in and start to redirect, give them different opportunities to going back to my original point of doing things that they both love to do together so that we're building up all of that investment in the bank account. Um, that the kid is an amazing person to be around. It should feel like their birthday every single day, you know? Yeah, I think it's great. Well, where can people find out more about you um, so that we can keep this positive message moving forward? Well, my website is thefamilydog.com and um, I'm hoping to start a new program very soon, which will be a very active program where families can get involved, which will be really fun on a, on a bigger scale so they can work through my program and also come with questions and have them answered and um, yeah, and learn what their dog is really trying to say to them, really just kind of create this happy, safe environment where parents can feel confident knowing what they knowing what they should be doing because I think that I haven't met a parent ever that doesn't care they always want to do the right thing they always do their best and sometimes they just don't have the information to be able to do it so I want to be able to give that information I know you're doing it with your clients too giving them as much information as we can to try to help them have the best life they can with their kids Mm -hmm. and their dogs yeah I think it's a wonderful goal and and it takes a village and I'm so happy to be part of your village working on this together. Same. Same. It's lovely. All right. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I think we're going to help a lot of people. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great. I'm so passionate about this subject. So, you know, anything we can do to try to switch some people around and let's do it. Go team. Yeah. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks so much. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting Podcast on iTunes or on the podcast app of your choice. If you're looking for ongoing support for your family with dogs, be sure to get on the waiting list for my Thriving Parents with Kids and Dogs membership at www.safekidsanddogs.com. And don't forget to follow Pooch Parenting on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening.